Let's dive in this morning. It's already golly. It's already a, what time is it? I can't even see. Eleven fifty-three. Man, I got an hour-long sermon. This is going to be awesome this morning. I'm just kidding. So, all right. So one of the things this morning is going to dive straight into. If your Bibles turn to Second Timothy chapter three. Verses uh, 10 through 17, I encourage you to read the entire chapter this week. All of it goes together. All of it's super important. I'm going to give you the context of it here in a second so you can at least know what's going on. But I encourage you to read the whole thing. I'm actually only going to focus on one phrase from one verse this morning. Uh, but I want you to read the entire thing this morning and let Jesus speak to you from this chapter this week. Verse 10, you... This is Paul writing to Timothy, but hear this. It's also now anyone who reads this, all right? So anyone that Timothy shared his letter with that ultimately became scripture, which ultimately became for everybody. So it's for Timothy and for you and me. Here we go. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, my sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let's do the context real quick. Again, he's speaking to you. Paul is writing this portion, this portion of this letter to Timothy as a warning. It's a warning. Paul is warning Timothy that a time is coming. And to be honest with you, it had already come in this day and age, right, when people would come preaching a different message of Jesus than what he had heard from Paul, what we'd call a false gospel. They'd be coming in and teaching something that was opposed or different than what they had already learned, right? We read in the first, you can read in the first uh, nine verses, it says, it says they would become, they'd come preaching a Christianity where people would be lovers of self, They'd be lovers of money. They'd be boastful. They'd be proud. They'd be abusive. They would disobey their parents where they'd have, the scripture said, a form of godliness, but that they would deny its power. A form of godliness. Their words are a form of godliness, but they would not be expressing its power. They would not know the power of God, the power of the gospel in their life. And so in this, in this moment, Paul is coming and warning them, but the warning obviously then comes with a responsibility. Like every one of you who are parents, who have ever had parents, that you know and you know what this means. Like you, your parents can say, listen, be careful when you go out to this party tonight. Right? And then they go into this long list of reasons, right? It's a warning because why? You're expecting them to be responsible with their decisions. And so Paul's coming in the morning making a warning that has a responsibility attached to it. And so the idea is then that that he would make a right decision and not fall into this trap. And so again, we're getting at this morning. That's been the message of Paul for us. It is a warning of the generation in which we live. It's a, it's a warning that there will be a voice 
like it's the canoe analogy in leadership. If you've never heard this, everyone pay attention because you sound super smart now the rest of your life talking about leadership. If you take someone in a canoe and you're all paddling this direction and you're paddling this direction, who is the most dangerous person in the canoe? The person who is rowing backwards? The person who is rowing completely to the side? Or the person who's just kind of paddling just a little bit off to the right or to the left? And the answer is the person's a little bit to the right or to the left. Because the person in reverse, you're like, no, they're messed up. The person to the right or left is super obvious. Like, stop that, right? But the person who's right next to you going, yeah, yeah, we're doing this. We're going kind of a little bit off to the side, right? And so Paul's coming and saying, that's what you're going to have in life. People are going to be coming around backwards to the side and a little bit off. And the people to be most aware of are those who have like a, yeah, they sound like Christians. They sound right, but they're just going off a little bit to the right. What happens when you go a mile down the road or a mile in the canoe growing off a little bit to the right? What happens? And you end up a mile off. And so he's just coming in the morning saying, and hear this. We have a warning and we have to be responsible. Okay? So warning and we have to be responsible. And so in that, then Paul comes and gives this really unique kind of understanding about it. Because what he does, he comes and says, all right, now I want you to hear this. This is super challenging. This is what, so let me just state, let me say from the beginning. Every single one of you, hear this, should be able to say the exact same thing to people in your life. He looks at Paul, he looks at Timothy and says, all right, you know my life. And if you do what I do and you say what I say, then you will be Christ-like and you will not waver in who you are. Remember Paul says at one point, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so the purpose of Paul's writing the moment is to say, all right. Hear all these things about me, right? He says, you know, you have to know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecution, my sufferings, all these things that have happened to me, all the things that I endured, right? But it's Jesus and he rescued me. So you've seen my life. You've seen what I've done. You see all these things about me. And I want you to know, if you just imitate me, if you just listen to my message, it will be the true gospel, and your life will look like Christ. So just press pause as we dive in this morning. Are you able to confidently say, follow me, and you'll look like Jesus? That's what he's saying. Look at my life. Look at my message. This is the message you preach, and this is the lifestyle that you live. So that's the beginning point. And the thing I want to focus on this morning and the place that I want to, to focus our energies is that one phrase in chapter. Listen, they're all you could spend a lot of time talking about the need to invest in the scripture, like being a student of the word from early on in life. Parents, you should read this as you, as you have known scripture your entire life. Teach your children. That's like super important. But the phrase that I want to focus on this morning here, this the phrase I want to focus on is verse 10. It says, you know, my purpose. That's what he says, right? He says, you know my purpose. However you know all about my teaching, my way of life, you know my purpose. I want to focus on these words this morning and the upcoming weeks. But I want you to see this, that Paul is speaking, saying, here's the deal, Timothy. We've talked. 
You know my purpose. You know why I exist. You know why I'm here. You know my, we've talked about it. Timothy would have gone, yep, I know your purpose. You've told me over and over and over and over again. But here's the point. I think we could then make the argument, if, if Timothy was so aware of it because Tim, Paul had preached it, then more than likely it was the same purpose that also defined Timothy's life, right? He was discipled by Paul into a purpose that defined his life. So that purpose then would have probably defined Timothy's life. And what I want to say this morning, the argument I'm going to make is that the purpose of Paul was the same purpose of Jesus. The the purpose of Timothy was probably the same purpose of Paul. And then I would say this morning that our purpose needs to be the same as all three of them. And so we're going to look at this purpose, overarching purpose, that I believe we can say define the life of Paul, biblically speaking. I believe in my personal conviction, it then defined Timothy, and I believe it's also to define our purpose this morning. We want to learn about this ultimate purpose and see how it defines our life. So in this purpose, purpose, it's defined this way. It's on the screen. A fixed intention to carry out a specific action and a determination to carry it through to the end. So I know definitely you guys look at the words like, what's that really mean? Like I had this set, I had this fixed intention. Like I want to be a great dad. I had this fixed intention to be a great dad. And my specific actions of my daily life is to carry out that and to be a good dad. And I'm going to carry it on until I die. So a purpose here, right? It's this, this intention that I have in life with the specific actions. My actions are defined by it. And I'm determined I'm never going to give up until I reach the end. And so in the context of Paul's life, what he's coming in and saying, listen, you know my purpose. I have this fixed intention. I've set the action in my life to see it happen. And I'm going to carry it through until I die. This is purpose. Why we exist type language, because that's what we really see here, isn't it? This ultimately defines every one of my actions, every one of my thoughts. Everything in life revolves around this purpose. The very reason I was created, the very reason why I exist is this purpose. It doesn't matter in the context that, listen, doesn't matter in context of Paul's life. Whether he is in full-time vocational ministry preaching, right? We know he preached to thousands. Doesn't matter if he's teaching, like he taught. Listen, he was one of those like long-winded teachers where the guy died falling out of the window because he talked too long, right? Like he just loved to talk and preach, right? That's what he did. But do you know what else he did? Like, and like, like that's like church stuff. But do you know what else he did? Like nine to five in specific seasons of his life, he just built tents. He made homes. He was a home builder. There's Jesus right there. <laughs> no, he was a home builder. He's literally making tents when we talked before. That's why when Paul uses the language, he says, man, he says, like, run the race as if to win the race right after the prize. It's because literally we just said he had been spending time with people who were like in the Olympic Games building tents for the athletes so they had some place to stay while they were running and worshiping all their Greek gods. And he's literally nine to five, man, he's just investing himself into his job. I love that. 
How many of you are in full-time vocational ministry and you go to a church every day in service? Raise your hand. How many of you do something other than that? See a show of hands. Oh, my gosh. You were like, I don't want to raise my hand. I'm so embarrassed. Put them up very high so Jesus can see them all the way up in heaven. Just kidding. No, you know what I'm getting at. Some of you are like, I just want to raise my hand, Steve. No, so this idea is like when Paul comes, he speaks to all of us. Our purpose is not ministry-based. Our purpose is not just vocationally outside in the job world-based. Man, this is the purpose that defines every single person, no matter where they are in life. It was what defined Jesus, it's what defined Paul, what defines Timothy, and now it's what needs to define us. It's the existential question of why are we here? Why do we exist? The first thing is this. Why do we exist? But for the purpose of belonging to God. For the purpose of belonging to God. Listen, people outside the church are like, that's weird, right? But we believe that God created humanity for the purpose of being in relationship with him. End of story. And so this idea, right, we've been created the purpose of belonging to God. And first, listen, I love that you could literally just say that and then read this verse and move on, right? First Peter 2, 10, the writer says, once, once upon a time ago, once you were not a people, but... Now you have been called the people of God. I mean, once you were rejected and nobodies with nothing to your name, and then you became God's kid, right? In both the Old Testament and New Testament, God always, the call that he makes is always to himself. Jesus never calls to say, what's up, and then hang up, and you're not with him. It's always a call to intimacy. It's always a call to his presence. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will bring you to my table. We will eat together, and you can rest. I will bring you into my home. The call to come is always a call to come home. To family, the family of God, right? This is always the call to come and be a part of God's family. Kevin, I heard you stole my thunder a second ago, right? So the call to family, way to go. Could ruin the whole message, Kevin. No. God calls us and he says, I will listen. He calls us to himself. He says, come be part of me. Man, it's such a beautiful picture. Hear this. When I read this, it wrecked me. I read this part. I'm about, don't get excited yet. Listen, I read this next part and it got me excited. The word call in the Old Testament, as in calling to family, it literally implies sovereignty through naming. You're like, what does it even mean? I have to think about it too, okay? Sovereignty through naming. It's as simple as this. When God calls us to himself to be his people, we then bear his name and become royalty. We become sovereign through naming. We become royal children because we are now part of God's family. So when God calls us to himself for this divine purpose of being a part of his family, he says, as soon as you're like Meghan Markle, you're Meghan Markle. She married Prince Harry. She was a nobody in Hollywood with a weird dad, right? I don't know the whole story, but enough to know the bits and pieces, right? And then she marries into the royal family. And what happens? Literally like this, she goes from Hollywood weirdo dad to royalty. She didn't do anything. I mean, you've read all the stuff. She's messing it all up while she's there. Just like our lives, right? 
She's saying the wrong things, eating the wrong things, doing the wrong, poor thing, right? It's like, that sounds just like my spiritual life, man. Like, oh my God, sorry, God, again. No, we're making miracles, man. We've entered into the family. All of a sudden, we are sovereign. We are royal through naming because we've been called into its family. My divine purpose, whether I'm inside the church or outside the church, my purpose is defined by being God's kid, being a part of the family. I am royalty because of it. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. So secondarily, why do we exist? For the purpose of then being God's people in life. For being God's people in life. In the New Testament, the, the word call to family specifically relates to turning away from past, turning to our new life in Christ, and then growing into his image. So this idea of, of calling, of entering in this purpose behind our lives is I come in, I'm part of his family, and then now I am growing into his image. It's just discipleship. Like the big, like, Bible word that we use, theologians talk about, is the process of sanctification. What's the process of sanctification? I give my life to Jesus, and now it's a journey every day to become more and more like him every day for eternity. That's all he's talking about here. So I enter into the family, yay, and then say, now you get to grow into my image and become like me. That sounds awesome because everybody likes you. Everyone loves you, thinks you're great, except the ones who hate you and killed you. But other than that, right? No, man. It's this beautiful picture of discipleship, this daily journey of following Jesus, this daily journey of being transformed into his image so that our actions and our thoughts and our deeds, they sound and look a lot more like Jesus. When understand the call of being a disciple, listen, the primary picture that we have is of the 12 disciples. Like, I'm not trying to be overly simplistic here. I'm just saying they, there's nothing special about them. They were prototypes. Now, they became the apostles and the foundation of the church. But when they first came, they were people just like us. Their call to being disciples was the exact same call that we have. They were prototypes. They were the first of many who would come. And so when you see Jesus teaching, Jesus correcting, Jesus empowering them, Jesus being with them, and them following and working to become like Jesus, right? Not to earn their salvation, but like they were, yeah, I'm going to devote my energies and my times and my thoughts to, to Christ's likeness, and their whole life was, was then devoted to that. That's discipleship, and so that's what the call, the purpose of being, we're called. Listen, we exist for the purpose of being God's people in life as we grow and be are discipled into his image. That's your purpose. To be a part of family and to become like Jesus, whether I am inside the four walls of the church doing it or in the four walls of the cubicle in my office or at my house raising my kids as a primary job or whatever it may be. Our primary, listen, all our energies invested in becoming like Jesus, being a part of his family. Hear this. You'll understand this language. Being a part of his family means we embrace the call to exist for his plans and his purpose and to grow continually into his likeness. The quote I always use about Mother Teresa, because this thing is so great, but it fits the moment. She said this, and this is huge. 
I wasn't called to the poor. I was called to Jesus, right? I was called to be with Jesus, to belong to Jesus, to be a part of his family. And I then followed him to the poor. Why is that important? Well, if you know anything about Mother Teresa's life, I mean, like, the, like we've been to multiple of her homes in India, right? Like, we've been there for the prayer times they've had. We've had friends who sat with her and talked for hours on end before she passed, right? It's like her life was devoted. She was known as, the, as this woman given to the poor, right? This, and, and, but the idea, she's like, no, 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 I was never called to the poor. My primary purpose in life is to become, to be with, to hang out with, and be like Jesus and do the things that he does. And so when I was with him, I was like, he's, he's, like, he's like, let's go somewhere. I'm like, okay. And so I followed him to the poor. My calling was to Jesus, and I served the poor. Our call at Vintage is not foster care. Our call at Vintage is to follow Jesus. We just happen to follow him to the needy in foster care. And so the question then of your life is, in the context of your life and all that you do, where are you doing like, where are you with Jesus and he led you somewhere and you're just Jesus wherever you are in the context of your cubicle, standing there selling at Chick-fil-A and being so nice to everybody, right? Like, what is it for you? What's the context of your life where you're fulfilling your primary purpose, fulfilling your primary purpose of becoming like Jesus in all that you do. Paul literally looks and says, Timothy, you can't lose sight. You have to be aware. You cannot lose sight of being a part of the family of God. Nothing else can be more important. And then becoming like Jesus, you don't arrive, son. And in the context of where you're serving and what you're doing and where you're being, with, it's always about you loving Jesus and letting Jesus love through you, no matter where you are. Don't lose sight of that, son. And the third thing, the third thing, why do we exist? For the purpose of then doing God's work. For the purpose of doing God's work. Not to earn salvation, not to please God and make him happier with us. No, we're serving God. Why? Because he's working. We work with him because he's working. Scripture tells us, In Hebrews, Jesus is always before the throne of God, making intercession for his saints. If you've ever interceded and prayed, it's work. He is giving himself in work for us. Do you ever see Jesus with disciples? What did he do? Did he just delegate every rollout and go sit over here and let people fan him? No, he's traveling, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's developing. He worked so hard that he grew tired and had to go back and take a nap. And then even the moment where Jesus sends them out in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, right? What does he do? He sends out the 72 in chapter 10. What does he do? He says, let me give you my spirit. Because the reality is a time is coming that when you work, you will never be doing it alone. You're always working with me because my spirit is with you, always empowering you. So even in today's world, whenever we work, we're not working for Jesus. We're working with Jesus because it's his spirit that's empowering us to do everything that we're doing of value. We're never alone. And so the idea is we're never working for Jesus always is we're working alongside of him. And because he, he's with us, we can whistle while we work, right? The reason you hate your job is because you've lost sight of your purpose. It's super simple. The reason you hate your job and everybody who's there is because you've lost sight of your purpose. I'm part of the family of God. How could I ever complain? 
I'm growing into his image every day. That's sometimes hard to die to self. That's not easy, especially because the culture's telling me to, no, man, enhance yourself, grow back, whatever it is, right? And the third part is like, and it's hard to work sometimes. And man, he's empowering me, so I'm not alone when I'm doing it. You hate your job because you've lost sight of your purpose. And so with the heartbeat of, of Paul is coming in and saying, man, I want you to focus on this divine purpose. He remember he says, you know my purpose. Like Paul was so convicted by it that he knew, Timothy knew, what his purpose was. Does anybody else know your purpose? Do you even know why you exist every day? Or have you lost sight of it? If your purpose is leading you to be anxious, overwhelmed, and unhappy, and not liking people, well then, you've missed your calling and your primary purpose, right? No matter what it is that you're doing. Like, I can attest, I've been there. There are days I just don't want to hang out with any of you, right? I'm so tired of church and pastoring and the world. Like, oh, my God, right? Like, no, God, I mean, I do love them, Jesus. Give me, help me, remind me of my purpose, Lord. I'm ultimately here for you. You know what I'm getting at, right? I'm here for you. Mother Teresa, I mean, you you read some of her letters. She struggled in the context, even in her context of calling to Jesus. She lost sight of Jesus and gave. It was all about the poor at some point. She had to return back. Like, all of us lose sight, isn't that the warning of Paul to Timothy? Isn't that his warning? Hey, hey, beware. People are coming trying to steal. They're trying to kill and destroy. It's really the enemy, right? Don't let it happen. You know my purpose. I know your purpose. Make sure you don't forget mine or yours and just do what you've seen me do. And as you do that, Purpose begins to define you in the context of your life. And we should never forget in the context of this calling to, to, to work alongside of Jesus. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need. You've got to read this and whether or not see if you believe it or not. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him, Jesus, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. We never leave us or forsake us, those types, right? So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by its evil desires. That sounds good, doesn't it? I'm not going to be held captive. I get to escape the corruption of the world that affects my heart, my mind, my soul because of the evil that's in the world. This morning, Paul warns, and Timothy's a warning for us. Timothy didn't. Timothy walked with Christ all of his life. If you know the story at all, he continued on. As far as we know, he never turned away from the faith, even though, man, there was heresies and people pushing back, all sorts of stuff, right? And so this morning, I just want to make this simple ask. Do you know your purpose? Do you know it in the context? I live, I exist. I exist every day for the purpose of being a part of God's family and living in the beauty and the conviction of it. I live every day with the purpose of growing into his image, living life with him. And every day I live with the purpose of working alongside of him for kingdom purposes in the context of everything that I'm doing. The idea is this every business deal and every relationship that you're a part of every day, does it reek of the purposes of God?
And if not, hey, good news. I'm, God's warning you and warning us this morning so we can be responsible and just return. That's what's called grace. You can always return. All right, let's worship and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for this call and this message, God, of your purpose. And that, Lord, you've bestowed upon every single one of us, Lord. God, every job that we're in, God, has its difficulties. It has the, every job that we're in, even in full-time ministry, there's the voice of the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy and pull us away. I'm asking for grace today that each person, God, would be reawakened and remember today this purpose. I pray, Father, conviction of knowing I belong to the belong to God. I have his name. I'm a royal child. That today, God, I would recognize I'm going to devote my life to growing in his image and be discipled by him. And every day I'm going to work alongside of him to see the kingdom come on earth as he's already spoken it in heaven. That's what I'm doing today in my job, Jesus. In the way that I parent, in the way that I am being a spouse, in the way that I am doing my job at work and all these things, God. I just speak blessing upon each person today and breakthrough in their lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to be officially done for the morning. I'm not going to come back up here. So you get to stay until God releases you, right? Um, and so whenever you get ready to leave, you're more than welcome to do that today. I would again remind you as you leave, hear this, make sure you grab one of those envelopes. And I'm serving next week in the village. You want to come serve with me? Come on, let's be a lot of fun, okay? And you can do that. But as you respond and hear this morning, offering baskets is an act of...